Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Well, I don't think even the most die-hard Breakers fans would have imagined a year ago that their team would be competing for a championship in Game 5 of the NBL Finals against the reigning champs. Alas, that's what's unfolded. I'm absolutely fist to watch the boys in pink go out there tonight and beat the Kings on their own court. How good would that be? And to help us preview what has the potential to be one of the great nights in New Zealand sport is ESPN's Aussie correspondent and SEN track host Cam Luke. Morena Cam, thanks a lot for joining me this morning. Me and Izzy... Um, on the show, mate. How you been? And what are you what are you looking forward to in this game tonight? The Breakers can they get the job done? Well, they most certainly can. They. Good morning to you, and good morning to the listeners. Yeah, look, it's been outstanding. You half alluded to it there. The 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 last two years, and not just the the Breakers, but a couple of those other New Zealand teams as well. They've had to do it the hard way, not being able to see family, not being able to sleep in their own bed, not being able to play in front of their adoring fans and the very fact is they put together with their new coach Modium or an outstanding crew and it was pretty obvious in the first couple of weeks of the season they were going to be a very good team and right now they're on the verge of being champions they're outstanding on Sunday that fourth quarter when the pressure was on them Will McDowell White who was the driver of this particular team was huge Barry Brown Jr who is uh had an outstanding year sixth man of the year you don't very often see these American imports come over to the NBL or anywhere in the world, to be fair, and accept the role like he has and still be as dominant as he has. And uh, We've got an uh, incredible Game 5, which is the best thing you can possibly get in any basketball league around the world. One game, 40 minutes in this case for all the chocolates, and I'm assuming going to be very close to a record crowd again as it was last Friday night in Sydney, and New Zealand record on Sunday, which is outstanding. Yeah, um, let- Luke Longley he's talked about that. He talked about that, Luke Longley, about the crowd being probably one of the best that he's ever witnessed over here. Victor, let's hope that Sydney can really put that together over there. Is it the the fact that the Breakers have come out of COVID for three years being in Australia to make this um, series the bigger talking point, do you think? I think we spoke a fair bit about it earlier in the year when, when, when they were good. But it's obvious they were good. Obviously, it's always in the back of the mind when it comes to talking about um, what a remarkable 12 months it will be if they're able to hoist the trophy. But I think the fact we spoke about it a lot, I actually, in hindsight, um, this would have been a bad call, but I actually lobbied last year on the show NBL Overtime to give New Zealand every single game play at home um, due to the mm. fact that the two years that they had had. Now, in hindsight, considering how damn good they are, that might have been incredibly, incredibly lopsided. I didn't exactly see them making the leap they have this year, but um, look, it's a great, it's an amazing story. And the very fact is that it's probably now been overshadowed by the fact they are just a really good basketball team. Yeah. They are a really good team. There was a lot of emotion and fairy tale around it. And they made the playoffs and got the second and the double chance. And, and also, got to keep in mind as well, while there wasn't a major speed bump in the end, they had that little hiccup around the Christmas New Year period where COVID reared its head again. And they had to sort of postpone some games. They had about two weeks off. And they had to jam sort of games in towards the end of January in a pretty quick sort of, uh, in a short amount of time. So um, COVID, ironically, has sort of bobbed up at a 
at a crucial time for New Zealand in the middle of this season as well. But this is all about them being a great basketball team and, and now being able to, regardless of what's happened the last couple of years, going to Sydney and trying to get it done. What do you make of the the comments made by Matt Walsh in, in his tweet saying that the referees aren't giving the breakers a fair go and, of course, the Sydney Kings coach walking out of that press conference? Do you think it was just a smart move by the breakers to get that fourth game done or do you think that the Sydney um, Kings have missed, missed the punch there? Incredibly smart move. One by Matt Walsh and then again by Chase Gerford on the back of of the game four. Now, there's, there's a couple of ways to look at this. Um, New Zealand spent a lot of time at the three-point line on Friday night. They were nowhere near as aggressive as they had been earlier in the series. And whenever that happens, whenever you sort of live by the three-point line, and it's, it's basic basketball IQ, the very fact is, if you're not being aggressive and getting into the paint, the odds are that you're not going to get to the foul line as much. That's kind of how New Zealand's been playing their basketball. And the fact is that when Matt Walsh sort of made those comments, he wasn't wrong when he's quoting numbers and quoting all the things that had happened. But the fact is that they were able to put it on the on the, on the the heat on the rim just a little bit and get inside the paint. Derek Pardon probably had his best game of the series. To be fair, Brantley definitely did. The fact is that you're going to be fouled a little more often. Now, on the back of that, Chase Buford knowing it's one game, he'd done this already against Cairns in the semi-final series. He felt they were a little unfairly treated by the referees in Cairns. They went back to Sydney for that deciding semi-final game and uh, lo and behold, got a couple of early whistles. So um, I think Matt Walsh put a video up on social media as well after game four. This is just gamesmanship. This is mm. what happens. You try and get every single every single advantage you possibly can. It will be interesting to see how the game is refereed. And by that, I don't mean... It widely changes, but just a couple of little calls here and there. They're going to let them play early, and the referee's going to try and gain um, a great deal of control of the game early, making sure it doesn't come into a physical slog fest. So um, I think the, the, the way that both of those organisations in different ways have come with it and have mentioned and made comment of in the last sort of couple, three or four days is 100% the smart thing to do. The administrators be happy, Luke, that they got a game five out of this series and it hasn't finished early, obviously. Um, what is it? Is it a, is this game about stopping Jarrell Brantley and Barry Brown Jr. in the breakers or the Sydney Kings and their home crowd got other plans? Uh, look, firstly, I think Larry Kesselman, who's the owner of the league, was uh, the happiest person leaving Spark Arena on Sunday. Uh, there was delirious New Zealand breakers fans, but I think from all reports, the smile on Larry Kesselman's face outweighed them all. Uh, a game five, Wednesday night, no NRL or AFL to go up against. It's going to be like not just physically um, bums in seats in Sydney, but also eyeballs to the TV around the nation. When it comes to what New Zealand needs to do, they need to be able to have Will McDowell-White just control it. So he, when he's in control of these games, uh, the whole of game one, the game where they actually beat them late in the regular season in Sydney, and again, the fourth quarter on Sunday when Sydney made their run, Will McDowell White's in total control. When he's in total control of the game, that is when Brantley can do his thing, and he did it really well on Sunday. We know how good he is. Him, V. Cooks has been so fun to watch. Uh, it allows Barry Brown Jr. just to be able to take over late without getting worn down. So it's on Will McDowell White to absolutely just control the game, and and 18,000 Sydney Kings fans will be trying to uh, take him out of it. With Sydney, 
ironically. And uh, I'm a small guy and occasionally played point guard growing up. So I'm biased towards the point guards. This is on Derek Walton Jr. and Xavier Crooks. Derek Walton Jr., who, of course, got hurt with that well, cramp in game one, that horrible cramp, couldn't go much in game two, but he's been great game three and four. Great in game three, really good in game four. It's on him. It's also a little bit on Xavier Cooks, and that's where the Cooks v. Brantley situation gets going again because Cooks is injured. There, there's no doubt. There's no You can cut it up as much as you want, and it's Sucks. He's about to go to the NBA. We're going to not probably see him for a number of years. He's getting that opportunity he so richly deserves. But he is injured. He's got to be able to somehow fight through the pain and be more effective. He's the MVP. He's been the best player in the league. He's got to find a way on Wednesday night to out Jewel Brantley. And if he does, Sydney should win it because I think Walton will be in control of the game. But if it goes the other way, um, Will McDowell wide in total control makes it tough. It is... Like anything in this type of situation, it is a 50-50. You know, you've got the two best teams in the league, you're coin tossing, and then you're trying to work out who wins. Yeah, and that was my next question on the injury front, the updates. Obviously, is there anyone else that uh, we need to be uh, concerned about that probably can't make the game? How yeah, the Kings pull up? No, I think, they'll, they'll, I think the Kings are all as, as, as good as they possibly can be. Uh, Cooks is obviously the main concern. When, you, when your MVP's been hampered at different times during the series, uh, it makes it a little bit tough. And keeping him on, it's, a, it's, a, it's the end of a season that, that can be grueling. If you look at Barry Brown Jr., he's got that broken hand. If you have a look at players around the league, you have those little those little niggles and they've got to, you know, and the travel doesn't help. Wednesday night to a Sunday, you've got to get on a plane from Sydney, get to New Zealand, now you get an extra extra day here coming back on a Wednesday night. But, I'm pretty certain with uh, the way that both of these teams are looked after medically and the great support crew they have. And you run through the tunnel of 18,000 people there and you see a championship trophy sort of sitting there. It sort of changes how you feel a little bit. I'm sure the, the adrenaline kicks in and then you're like, well, here we go. So so let's. Uh, you're not sitting on the fence. You're obviously picking the, the, the Kings in a close one. I'm going for the breakers. Are we expecting a physical match then if we've got a couple of blokes that are carrying injuries? Uh-huh. I think there's no doubt New Zealand are going to try and be physical. They're both physical teams. I think it was something that gets lost a little bit. These are both physical teams. As, like, they're both physical teams. Like Walton Jr. is a very strong point guard. New Zealand, you know, uh, Chase Buford compared them to the All Blacks earlier in the year when they played. But uh, like, as soon as a comment gets made like that, automatically people just assume that New Zealand are physical and Sydney just roll around on the court without touching anyone else. They're both physical teams. And I think we... This is the interesting thing with the refereeing. Will they allow them to be physical in a game five? I would like to see them just duke it out. I'd like to see the referees put the whistle away to an extent, in particular early, and allow the big boys just to roll up. This is what's meant to be. Game five, all or nothing. Let them play. Now, if it happens that way, it probably does the breakers a little bit, not not a major advantage, but it allows Derek Pardon to play a little more of how he's been successful this year. Brantley's a big, strong boy. And then McDowell White, and then, of course, um, Barry Brown Jr., Liafa. These guys can take it a little bit of that pressure uh, on their bodies and the way they dribble the ball. So if it goes that way, I think it works for New Zealand. If they start quick whistling, uh, which they might based on the comments and you know what's in the media and everything <laughs> that's been happening, then all of a sudden we, we might see a, a couple of quick fouls early on someone and a way it changes the complexity of the game. But um, I'm only picking Sydney 
only and it's absolutely 51 to 49 here when it comes to uh, trying to work it out. I'm only picking Sydney because they do have the best player on the court in Xavier Cook. I mean, just he's the best player, and I and I trust him to stand up in Game Five. But if if he if he does struggle, like he has a little bit in this series, anything could happen. Nothing would stun me and the New Zealand Breakers winning a championship would be an incredible story. It would be an absolute incredible story. I'm absolutely fizzed to watch this one tonight and uh, yep, let's hope uh, it is physical and the best team does get out there and win and, and of course the best team, uh, Luke, is the Breakers. So I uh, just wanted to throw yeah. that one in. But hey, look, <laughs> yeah, beautifully done. Your other, your other role as the Aussie correspondent um, is also the SEN track host and uh, how good are the Kiwis going at the moment? We've got James McDonald booked to ride Prowess in the Vinery Stud Stakes on March the 21st after uh, his suspension. We've got Aegon who will line up in the All-Star Mile at the Valley on Saturday for Andrew mm-hmm. Forsman and of course Levante is ready to take on Animo in the George Ryder Stakes. Our good uh, our good horse over here come oh, mate, Animo is an absolute freak. What's your take on the New Zealand horses at the moment that are coming over? Uh, really good. Really good. So uh, let's start with uh, Legato, who was able to win the Australian Guineas, you know, just over a week and a half ago. She was brilliant. And my belief is that Animo will go to Royal Ascot and then we won't see him again, unfortunately, here in Australia. So uh, I wrote about this last week. I spoke about it on a radio show on Friday. We're going to look at a very even crop of weight for age stars into the spring. And she fits within it. She has to go to a level two, of course, against the older horses. But the Cox Plate, is well and truly within the realms of where Legato, I think, is going wow. to fit in that conversation. Animo is by far the, the best horse in the country, but I don't think he'll still be around come spring in the Australian races. Sharp and smart. I think he's got a mortgage on the AJC Derby, and I think he'll be a great Caulfield Cup horse come the autumn as well, come the spring as well. So we've already seen two horses that have won Group 1s in Australia in the last six months be able to go, I think, to that next level and be a huge player in major races in the spring for Legato and sharp and smart for the AJC Derby in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Levente, I like her. I don't think she's at the Animo level. I, I don't think. But in saying that, she gets an opportunity to come on over here and, and be able to prove it. And the fact is that when she they get opportunities, that's when they go to that level and, and, and slap people like me in the face. Uh, I think it's the perfect race for her to have an opportunity. I do think she's a level below Animo, but hey, let's see what happens on race day. Uh, James McDonald, um, it's funny how sport works. When you have a superstar of the sport get rubbed out for a huge day and there's an appeal, just happens to get tweaked a little bit, <laughs> and he's now okay to ride on the Golden Slipper Day. He is. There's an argument that he's the best jockey in the world, and there is no argument. He's My country mile. So, uh, <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, I think it's a really golden time for New Zealand racing. Awesome. Thanks a lot for joining us this morning, Luke. Um, Izzy and Kimby for breakfast go well uh, Luke and enjoy the final hopefully we can share a beer after it absolutely we can and hopefully if you break as fans you're hoisting your trophy come Wednesday night mate always love chatting we'll talk soon Sport and the connection to the land on Izzy and Kimpy for breakfast Collier's Rural and Agribusiness Licence REAA 2008
The relationship between sports in New Zealand and the land we live on runs as deep as anything. It is impossible to ignore that our beautiful and unique surroundings of vast and rural communities have helped since shape and mould the Kiwi identity. Many of our most successful athletes have used to reach the top of their craft, driving hours to training, using work on the farm as time in the gym, developing resilience and mental fortitude whilst working in the land, all part of growing up in rural New Zealand while chasing sporting dreams. Tau Maranui farmer and world champion woodchopper Jack Jordan knows better than most. Over the weekend, Jack was named the New Zealand Rural Sports Supreme winner and New Zealand Rural Sportsman of the Year at the New Zealand Rural Sports Awards. 2022 was a huge year as he won the still World Champions Trophy in Vienna breaking the New Zealand national record in the first round. He's been good enough to take our call this morning before getting back out on the farm for the day. It's a big good morning to you, Jack Jordan. How you doing, bud? You're not bad. How you going? Oh, very good, mate. Look, look, just before we rip into it, what's the plan today, mate? What do you got? A few, few jobs on hand? Yeah, no, we've got a bit on today, actually. Um, yeah, got a bigger driver here, so got to catch up with him and uh, need to dip the rest of the... Um use here too, so, yeah, get on top of that, we should be, um, you yeah, should be all sorted. Mate, let's talk wood chopping, are you constantly just chopping down trees around the farm, look, you got the chainsaw out, look, you probably wouldn't use a chainsaw, are you, like, chainsaws irrelevant, you're just using that axe and chopping things down? Um, well, with the timber sports, it's sort of, it's, it's with the axe and also the chainsaw and the crosscut saws too, so it's sort of a bit of both, I suppose. But no, a lot of the training's just cutting logs in half, and um, well, I suppose I go to the gym a bit, and uh, yeah, do a fair bit, sort of, for me fitness and that too, so it's a bit of everything, I guess, yeah. Hey, mate, well, talk to us about receiving that award on Friday night. The Supreme Award must have been a special moment to be recognised by your community. Yeah, for sure. No, it's pretty great to... Um, well, yeah, it's, it's an honour, I suppose, yeah. Um, it's awesome to, to sort of succeed in something you love doing like that and then for the sport to get recognition like that is um, bloody great also, yeah. And the competition, mate, like it looks like you went pretty well over the, the weekend as well. Is there anyone here, mate, world champion, we're pretty good at producing them in New Zealand, but is there anyone else um, that we should be keeping an eye out that's, that's challenging you? Um, yeah, it was pretty bloody tough between me and my brother there. He was just unlucky in the hot sort of bloody DQ to um, knock him down a bit. But um, yeah, yeah, it's sort of pretty pretty good line up there. So yeah, between sort of me, him, and uh, Jason Winyard, well, there's bloody there's ten others. So yeah, uh, pretty tough line up. But um, actually qualified there to uh, do the still Timbers Sports World Championships later on in the year also. So it was a bloody real good weekend. Yeah. So is it a it's a it's a global sport wood chopping. Jason Winyard is is a big name and wood chopping New Zealand. Like, why are we so good at it, mate? I don't know. I think the sport, like um, earlier on, I think the sport was just so strong between here and Australia. And I guess uh, a lot of uh, New Zealand axemen and that travel over to Australia and they do a lot of competing to sort of get themselves up to that level. Um, whereas I think a lot of other countries, it's it, in the past, it wasn't as big over there, and 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 the wood chopping wasn't as strong. I think that's probably got a fair bit to do with it. But then countries over there, like European countries, um, give them a couple of years, they'll be pretty tough to beat, I reckon. Mate, what? Uh, how do you get into it? Well, let's start from the start. How do you get into wood chopping, and, and you know the career that can, that can unfold from it? Is it quite a good career? You obviously travel quite a lot. 
Yeah, a lot of yeah, it's a lot of travel that it sort of um, yeah, the doors open up for, and um, yeah, yeah, you sort of meet mates and bloody good people all around the world that it sort of that do a lot for you, which is um, yeah, that, that's probably the best part of the sport. But um, the way I got through, uh, got into it was through my older brother Shane. He did it with a group of mates at high school, um, sort of the, the old local A&P shows and that. And I was ten years younger than him, so when I was um, just a wee tacker, sort of following the parents around and sort of supporting him at the A&P shows, I, I guess that's how I got the bargain. Never really looked back. Yeah. Hey Jack, I've I've been to plenty of them too. Where uh, you've seen plenty of blokes from their from their sons to their grandfathers competing against each other. What's the innovation like these days? You know, we're talking about golf balls this morning and how they're making them uh, not travel that far a distance. Is it the same with the axe? Like, is there a different head on the axe that makes you chop the wood quicker? Um, yeah, I think axes have come a long long way in the last twenty years. I reckon, like the the size of the axes we use now, probably. Well, the size and the grinds and different types of axes are probably uh, a lot, yeah, they're, they're certainly a lot better than what they were um, 20 years ago. So that's developed a huge amount, yeah. Mate, when you're standing on that log, so talk us through what goes through. You go to the, the AMP show, you go to these shows, you get to pick your logs, you're standing on the logs. Have you got a plan? Have you got a plan on, on how you can chop this log the quickest? Like, Talk us through it, like the speed that you're able to do it. Is there like a, like the minor intricacies to chopping this piece of wood? Yeah, so um, I sort of, yeah, I've always got a pattern in my head or a rough pattern, but I'm sort of hoping to, like pattern, I mean, the amount of hits that I want to cut the log in. I guess you never know until you've actually hit the log to see how good the log is and, and whether or not you can actually <laughs> achieve that. But you, you always go into a log with a, with a pattern in mind and sort of what you want to do with it, yeah but not always the case, depending on how hard the log is, yeah. Hey, Jack, if you're good at chopping wood, what other what other games are you good at? Are you a flanker or a loose forward in rugby league? Um, oh, I've played a bit of um, union but a few years back. I haven't done much the last couple of years, but played, yeah, mainly lock I, I played, yeah. I was big, tall and slow, so, yeah, they put me in, um, yeah, lock. <laughs> Mate, I've got, to, I've got to ask a question. Because you know, I did watch a few of those old boys when they finished chopping wood. They were pretty good with the, the old skewy in their hands too. What's it like, mate? The celebrations after winning a world champions. <laughs> Who's the better, you or Mr. Winyard? Um, oh, I haven't actually seen Jason Jason uh, drink too much in the way of beers. Um, he's <laughs> yeah, he sort of. I think he gave up um, alcohol a long time ago. So I don't think I've ever seen him drink a beer. So I reckon I'd have him covered there. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, mate. Awesome. All right, what's it like working in the land of Tau Maranui in 2023? Been okay, summer for you, or rough? Some sketchy yeah, weather um, about? Yeah, yeah. it's um, been a real good summer for us. I, I know, like, all around the country's been pretty rough everywhere else, but, um, and you, you really feel for those guys. But for us, we've sort of had good amounts of rain and not too much wind in that. So, yeah, we can't pl- complain, but you really feel for everything that else is going on in the country, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty devastating what's going on around the country. Look, here's a question for you. Any sketchy moments? Any moment? I'm watching you and I'm thinking surely one of those toes are going to come off. <laughs> nah, nah, I've been, um, oh, I suppose there's been the odd sketchy moment where you've been sort of pretty close, but I've never hit before properly now, nah, so I'm going not too bad, touch wood. <clears throat> but, um, <laughs> you, you, well, have you seen there. any sketchy moments? <laughs> touch yeah, wood, yeah, like that. Bit. It's not very you good touch to, your wood uh, your whole life, yeah. 
Someone's come through and said, well, if you can swing an axe, you surely you can hit a golf ball. You played any golf? Nah, nah. Well, maybe in a lot of cases that might be the case, but I definitely can't hit a golf ball. I'm hopeless at it. <laughs> oh, I awesome. I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, it's a frustrating game, mate. You, you, you keep just smacking those logs of wood, mate, and keep doing what you're doing. Jack Jordan, you're an absolute champion. Congratulations for all your recognition and, and all the success that you've had as of late. What have you got coming up? Um, and uh, Yeah, at Easter time now I go over to Sydney for the Sydney Royal Show. And then um, what I qualified for on the weekend, I go to Rotterdam in the Netherlands uh, in May for the World Trophy again. And then in uh, late October I'll be going to uh, Stuttgart, Germany for the World Championship. So, yeah, it's a bit coming up. It'll be a big, uh, big 2023 and hopefully we can, um, yeah, put the best foot forward and go all right. Ooh, so what do you do in and around those shows, Jack? Uh, you mean like training that for it? Nah, social, mate. Talk to us. Oh, social. Um, I guess, yeah, <laughs> sort of. Uh, yeah, I'm always out sort of pig hunting and um, catching up <laughs> with mates. And, and with me training and that, sort of travelling around a bit with wood chopping and that. So that's, I guess that's my social side of things too. Um, always, always around sort of seeing people and that, yeah. Beautiful, mate. Hey, thank you so much for joining us, Jack Jordan. Uh, Woodchoppin has uh, won the Community Award, and uh, we appreciate your time this morning, Jack. Go well in the future, and all the best with those battles with Jack Winyard. <laughs> hey, thanks very much. Awesome. Thanks Sport and the connection to the land on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Profit from the best advice with Collier's Rural and Agribusiness. Licence REAA 2008. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. In a world of pain only 12 months ago, the New Zealand Breakers have the chance to settle the score and write themselves into folklore history if they can get the job done against the Sydney Kings tonight in their quest to win another NBL title. Modi Moore's exceptional band of brothers have a chance to create history by completing a season post-COVID that no one saw coming. Finishing the last two seasons near the bottom of the ladder, the Breakers have returned home in 2023 to produce more resilient, travel-hardened, show-stopping performances that are worthy of a Netflix movie or series like Drive to Survive, only in this instance it will be called They Call It a Comeback. Breakers, they're going to knock you out, Sydney Kings. Come on, Breakers, who you got, Izzy? I know who I got. Oh, you know I got the Breakers, and now you've got me absolutely pumped. 
for tonight. Oh, you are so right. You are so right. The NBL is back. The Breakers have come back from nowhere. They've travelled. They don't care. They've been sleeping in their own beds. They haven't been offshore for a whole year. And they are back to the promised land. Look, I'm Breakers all day. And I reckon their coach, Chase Burford, what he did the other day, it's going to come back and bite him right in the backside. <laughs> yeah, Xavier Don't Cook's not 100. the beast. You know, you've got things lining up our way. Jarrell Brantley, oh, mate, hopefully Barry Brown Jr. can come out and play that last quarter like he did on game four. And uh, 50,000 people is... 50,000 people have gone through and watched the series. They, he's right. He's right. Luke was right. The commissioner couldn't have asked for anything better than a game five in Sydney. They'll pack it out tonight, but I'm back in the breakers. Come on, boys. Oh, Barry Brown Jr. Look back and you think of the one that took over the series against the Perth Wildcats, Cedric Jackson. Go and watch some highlights of Cedric Jackson when he just took that team on his back, put him on his back. And he said, come with me, lads. Barry Brown Jr., come on. Let's do it. So good, Louis. Honestly, so fizz for this. It's only around the corner and it's live here on SCNZ. Love it, Kempi. You've got me absolutely hyped for tonight's game. Come on, the Breakers. Show your support. Send them the tweet. Send them your support. And get right behind Modi Moore and the New Zealand Breakers. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp in support of our one and only Breakers Nation. The rumor mill with Izzy and Campbell. Ha! Izzy and Kempy for breakfast, 13 away from me. And um, I've actually been dying to get back on air just to talk to you guys. Because I just heard some <laughs> outrageous things over the weekend. Oh. I actually heard in the, uh, the the powerful basketball underbelly of Christchurch that um, Modi Moore has been urged by New Zealand Rugby to apply for the All Blacks coaching role. <laughs> The way he can build a culture and really just sniff out pretenders, that's just something that they're after at the moment. It's just what I'm hearing, is he? <laughs> Modi Moore and his aggressive nature trying to get back to the to the rugby and he would be the perfect fit for the All Blacks. I can see that rumour eventuating. The All Blacks coaching race... Is anyone's guess? Let's be honest. Who is going to be the All Blacks coach? Modi Moore is currently throwing his hat in the ring. I absolutely love it. Look, staying on the the rugby theme, rumours are circling big, big time. The Highlanders, they're in dire need of some reinforcements. So the rumours are circling. Out of out of Japan, that the one and only, the Barracuda, the Richard Barracuda Buckman, <laughs> is making a comeback. He's on his way back. He's going to come back and help his beloved Highlanders team get back 
to the promised land. And just on that, out of Japan, the current stocks at tens in New Zealand, with the departure of many leaving. I'm hearing this. Look, honestly, I think this rumour is dead set true. Aaron Cruden has put his hand up and said, Lads, I'm available if you need me. Come World Cup time. So Aaron Cruden He's back. and the Richard Buckman are coming back. I don't know if it's later. true, but it's a, it's a, it's a rumour that could be possible. That's what I'm hearing, Kempe. Good, good, for, good for the stocks, the number 10 stocks, Aaron Cruden. Mate, let's go to the real game. All right. This is this is true, and we'll have someone on next week talking about it, and I'm going to Volandis myself, but apparently it's back on the table. It's back on the table. The Southern Bears. Let's the go. The new franchise. <laughs> the 20 let's teams. Go. Mate, Volandis, me, Volandis, North Sydney Bears. We're in a room, locked. I'll let you know more next week. But there's a bigger one coming out, fellas, of the Warriors. Keep this one under your hat. One more players to go. He's going to get the punt, and Jared Warrior Hargraves is on his way here. <laughs> I wonder who that player is that's going to go so he can be replaced. Is someone getting bunted? Someone's getting Jerry a Warrior. Hargraves. 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 Are they getting bunted? <laughs> they getting bunted? Oh, I got no idea. Um, oh, that Kempe. is unbelievable, Kimpy. It is unbelievable that you would just lob that into the room. I've got one last one just to round us off, boys. Come on, then. The M- the M- I want to finish with basketball, we said. The NBA and their commissioner, Adam Silver, well, they have responded to the USGA and the RNA by releasing plans to weight the NBA ball as the three-point shooting in the Steph Curry era is getting out of control. Sources say... Ooh. Stephen Adams could be in line for a monster contract with his shot put pedigree. <laughs> that is, wow, unbelievable. Oh, that is so good. That is, are they putting concrete in it? They're waiting the ball. The, the, the stats are getting out of control. Steph Curry's ruined oh the game. My. Jack Nicholas is... Oh, my. <laughs> Steph, look what you have done, mate. Those half, those half-court shots are ruining the game. Rumor has it, basketball are changing the way the basketball reacts. It's now time to talk NRL, in particular our Warriors. It may not have been the result we were hoping, but for the Warriors, showed plenty of fight in their loss against the Roosters on Saturday. To talk about preparations for the upcoming game against the Cowboys. And look back on the weekend that was in Sydney is Warriors assistant coach Richie Agar. Morning, Richie. How you doing, mate? Yeah, morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, good. Appreciate your time. I know you're, you're a busy man, ready to get it, re- getting ready to rip into the Cowboys this week. How's preparations been, mate? Yeah, it's pretty good. I think, uh, obviously, at this stage, we're finishing it. We've had factoring the travelling has been really important, but we're getting... Uh, Adequate rest, what has been around to, you know, two pretty big uh, travels, especially the one moving into this week. But now the boys are in good spirits. I think there's a real, um, you know, first of all, disappointment that we didn't get the result of the weekend, but, you know, an, an accountability and acknowledgement of areas that, uh, one, we did improve and, and two, that we need to improve into this week. So, you know, still, still early doors. We're still 
finding out about ourselves and, and what our best, you know, what our best game looks like. Uh, but now the boys are in good spirits and, and very determined. And what has been the main focus uh, for this week? When you look back and you would have done your review, and I'm picking yep. completing your sets was was one of the main focus. Has that been part of the part of the week? Well, I think how we took from in round one, how we turned the ball over, you know, just wasn't good enough. I think our kicking game uh, vastly improved this week and gave ourselves a chance. But certainly the start to the game and the start to both halves. Uh, has been similar over round one and two. I think we've got to be really clear and consistent with our messages. And I think there's some individual ownership around some of the errors that's occurred on that. But, you know, one thing I have to, I will say is even though we've got off to some, you know, pretty, pretty dodgy starts, I think, I think we've shown some good resilience to try and back that up and fight our way back into the game uh, from, from some difficult situations, which, which again we did last week. I think going into the last 10 minutes, you know, maybe our first 10 minutes sort of impacted the play, the way we played in our, in our last 10 minutes from, from energy levels. Uh, but I thought despite the, you know, despite the amount of pressure and possession that went, went against us, um, I actually thought a positive to come out of it was, you know, that our determination to, to hang in there and keep throwing punches. Yeah, Richie, it's Kempe, mate. That's exactly right. You know, only completing two of the first 11 sets and was always going to take the yeah. energy out at the back end of the game. Uh, I thought resilience yep. before halftime was very good. Mate, the, the changes to the team, you've got Tang Otoa Piki coming in at fullback, and of course you've lost yep. um, a back row moving Mitch Barnett out there for young forward. The, the, change, the yep. changes on the weekend, did that show you anything losing forward uh, Nua Kore and Charles Nicol Crockstead being three players and the effect that that actually, uh, three new players and the effect having them off the field head on the t- on the team? Yeah, I mean, you, you don't, you, you certainly don't want to lose spine players, but losing someone like Jackson Ford so early, Kempe, a, a guy that, you know, is probably our fittest forward and, and you can rely on for 80 minutes. Uh, and then to lose Marata after that, you know, that is going to affect your interchange a little bit and that is going to have some effect on energy. What I will say is, you know, we're probably looking for a little bit more from our bench this week in terms of the impact that those guys can have on the team when we do have situations like that. Uh, losing chance, yeah, obviously a blow. Uh, you know, one of our very best players in round one. Uh, but I also think it's a great story for Kane. You know, he came here uh, on a bit of a chance as a training trial. Uh suitably well enough to make the top 30 and then Baron Roundtree is getting his debut and, and one thing I will say Kempi is because Carnes was away in pre-season 10 got an awful lot of reps in, in, in the team and I think what that has garnered in you know amongst the group is a lot of confidence in what he can do for us uh, you know he's fully familiar with the role he's obviously you know unbelievably hungry and excited about getting the chance and I think we're all looking forward to seeing you know, to see him play, and the one thing he does do is he can really bring plenty to you. Attack, you know, the way he, he arrives on the sweep, plays out the back, and finds the passes and skips between holes. You know, he can bring another dimension to our to our attack on the edges. As a fellow outside back, mate, I've got big raps on Young Tane for what I saw in that West Tigers preseason game. I'm, I'm really, yeah. really excited to see what he has to offer this weekend on the big stage. Just talk about one of your leaders, Tohu Harris, playing his 200th NRL game. A hell of an achievement. How's he been this week, mate? Has this taken his leadership to another level? Um, 
he's a guy that sort of leads by his actions, and and as we know, he's his talk is not demonstrative. You know, he's very calm and delivered and, and thoughtful in everything he says. But it, it's you know, it's the age-old saying, Kempy. He's Sometimes he doesn't say too much, but what he does say is absolutely worth listening to. And he doesn't speak unless he feels like he has to speak. So there's not been no real, real change in total around that. Uh, I think 200 games, you know, in the NRL in the position he plays is remarkable. I think what's even more remarkable is his stints over the last two weeks playing 80 minutes in the middle of the field in, you know, one in round one and two in extremely hot conditions. Uh, and we're going to walk into some more hot conditions this weekend. I think that just shows, you know, a 31-year-old, the magnitude of uh, of his professionalism, that he can get around and still be as effective as he's been, uh, you know, 200, 200 games in. Uh, and, you know, again, uh, two weeks running, being one of our standout players. Hopefully we can get another 100 out of him there, Richie. Hey, um, just before we let you go, the standout player for me <laughs> over the first two weeks has been Mitchie Barnett. Do we lose um, his, his effect that he has had in the middle of the park by moving him out to that left edge? Uh, there's a little bit of needs on second this week. Um, I think one of the, you know, one real positive that we've got in our squad is we, we have got some guys that are interchangeable. So Marata, even Jackson Ford, Trash Curran, Dale Simonen, and, uh, and of course Mitch are all guys that can alternate between edge and middle. Look, it's just, it, it's a little bit of a, Pause for a pause and some situations that's been thrown as this week. I don't think it's uh, a move that, that Andrew is envisioning being a, a long-term move. I think it's just a case of uh, the cards we've been dealt this week. We feel that Mitch's experience, um, you know, will fill that hole on the on on the left edge for us this time. Yeah. Well, you go back and you uh, um, go into your room and turn that air conditioning on, mate, because I know that you're not handling that heat up there too well in North Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> I think the beer's pretty. Oh, I, it, I think the beer's pretty warm up there. But thanks a lot for joining us this morning, Richie. We'll catch up with you when you get back into New Zealand. All the best for uh, the game against the Cowboys and Saturday night. We'll be calling it here on SENZ. Uh, myself and Sammy Hewitt. Looking forward to it. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks, guys. You know about Englishmen in the sun, but yeah, thanks very much, boys. Good to chat. <laughs> there he is, Richie Agar joining us out of North Queensland for the Warriors. Big game for them this weekend, and North Queensland coming off a loss too. They're looking for a win up in the heat in North Queensland. He touched on travel, uh, is he? Mate, it's one of the toughest games to travel to, North Queensland. So uh, looking forward to that, calling it this Saturday night. Me and Sammy Hewitt on SENZ. It should be a cracker. Beautiful. I'm looking forward to watching Tane Tawaupiki. He had plenty of reps in the preseason, and we saw signs in a preseason game. It is a preseason, so I'm not going to get too excited, but from what I saw, showed me glimpses of a big, big future. Great to hear from Richie Agar. It is hard to play in Queensland, and it is so, so good. It's going to be a tough match this weekend. That is right. Listen here on SCNZ.